Okay, welcome to the RevOps Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Henderson, and I almost forgot my last name there. Wow, it's been a long week. I'm your host, Jordan Henderson, and I'm joined today by my usual co-hosts, maybe guests. I don't know if you guys are still at the co-host level, but Brandon and Jonathan, go ahead and say hi, guys. The esteemed colleagues is what we are. Hey, guys. (laughs) colleagues. Very esteemed. (laughs) you've got to earn the very Um, i'm I'm excited about this week um we we've uh we met in person the three of us this week it's awesome um what what a huge fundamental thing that we now know each other in real life and brandon put me in a headlock and i made fun of you both in real life (laughs) i cried Um, a few times but it was good in the bathroom though where nobody could see you because you're a strong boy um (laughs) but okay back on track Uh, this week we are back to we've had some fun the past few weeks we've had some awesome guests we've we've gone through some uh office hours episodes which has been really fun and I want to get back to the 201 series, which everybody will remember if they've listened for a little bit, is us talking about diagnostic metrics. And so back in the 201 series, we talk a lot about metrics that you can use to diagnose problems across your entire revenue operation, right? We've talked about marketing and sales alignment metrics. We've talked about CS and sales alignment metrics, et cetera, et cetera. We would be remiss if we didn't spend some time talking about tracking performance to diagnose issues in your RevOps team itself. Uh, So that's why this week we're continuing the 201 series of diagnostic metrics with RevOps team-specific metrics, which I think will be a a totally unique thing. I've gotten a lot of questions over the past uh, many months, like how do you measure your team's success and how do you measure what RevOps is actually doing? And the the easy answer, I think, for a lot of people is, is I measure my team's success based on like the company's performance. True, totally true, right? Like if we're hitting numbers as a company, RevOps is, you know, ostensibly seamlessly flowing, but... There's always room for improvement. So we're going to talk about some uh, some RevOps metrics. How y'all feel about that? So good. I see Blake. Sounds just, fine to me. I'm <laughs> on for the ride. I'm on for the ride. That monologue in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> super, super exciting. Cool. Great, Jordan. This is going to be fun. <laughs> you, sound like, you sound like the white wall behind you right now. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I can make it green if you want. I don't. Oh. I don't want. I don't want you to. Yeah, there it is. Um, okay. So the first RevOps metric I think is super important. And again, these are diagnostic metrics. So forecast variance. Anybody want to take a crack at forecast variance? The variance between the forecasted amount and the actual amount. Spot on. Jonathan, Boom. coming in hot with a strong, strong <laughs> thing. Um, so, so for anybody listening who doesn't know what forecasting is, forecasting is predicting what future revenue will close at a set date. So ostensibly, you would look at a pipeline at like the start of a quarter, and you'd say, hey, at the end of the quarter, here's how much of this will be closed, right? Usually you use like pipeline conversion numbers or pure forecasting to come up with such a thing or a combination thereof. I think we did a whole episode on forecasting. We, we I'm, did. I'm, we did. I'm we talked about like, negative forecasting. Yeah. I'm going to talk about, like guess, like episode 11 or something, but it's probably totally wrong. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Go find it. It's called forecasting, I'm sure. Um, but but uh, forecasting super important, right? But w- what's really important about forecasting is its accuracy. Accuracy in forecasting is a key metric for your entire business. And it's also something your revenue operations team should be and is directly accountable for. Uh, predictability in your in your forecasting impacts your goals across the organization. So like pipeline goals, hiring goals, budgets for like ad spend, hi- like every everything sort of depends for your future company planning on forecasting. 
right? It's it's very, very important metric knowing what revenue is going to come in and how we have to adjust the business as a result. And if it's broken, it breaks a lot of things. It breaks your hiring plan, it breaks your ad spend, it breaks it breaks everything, right? And so it's it's hugely problematic. And your RevOps team is the only team really that holds this metric as as a key thing. And forecast variance is saying if I said we're going to close two million dollars at the end of the quarter and we closed 1.8. Then I'm 90%, right? I'm 90% accurate in my forecasting. And that's not great. Like, it's not terrible. A lot of people probably be really keen for 90%, but also not great because we'd rather be at like 98%. We, we have predictable revenue, which is super, super important. So what to do if, well, I'll pause there. Anything I'm missing about forecasting? Why is forecasting important to you guys? I actually want Brandon to weigh in from like a marketing perspective, why forecast accuracy is an important thing. Okay, so I, I I do think that if you're if you're off by if you're under by 10, 15 percent every month, I think that's better than being off by five <laughs> yeah, and then by I twenty and then yeah, over true. over by ten. And right? Like it, if your variance is relatively similar every month, that, that's gonna be a lot better than if it's all over the place, right? Because if it's all over the place, that tells me you have no idea. Um, like it, you don't have product market fit or you don't have a sales process or you don't have, defi- like you have zero control over your pipeline. If it's only off by a little bit every month or that same bit every month, uh, but you're still under, that, that might, is not always a bad thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, un- under is of course better. Under is always right? better. I, 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 right, I, I yeah, would exactly. rather miss by saying under than over always. It's it's price is right rules when it comes to forecasting. <laughs> That's very uh, true. Come on but, down. But, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> That's your only participation today so far. By the way, <laughs> That's all you big said. ad, um, big ad so far. But yeah. but um, but, but I, I love that you're like. You're essentially saying, like, if you're if you're ten percent off consistently low by ten percent, then when I give you a forecast, you'll just look at it and go, "Well, it'll be ten percent higher." Than it's going to be forecasting my forecast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really how it works is that is that what we're getting at? That, that's exactly it. That's exactly I like some variance inside my variance. Yeah, <laughs> we know. That, we know. But that also, by the way, that to that point, that's why forecast variance is such an important thing to track because we want to know, are we consistently 10% below? Are we consistently 20% higher, right? Like the, this would be huge problems for us to identify and we can adjust how we're tracking things as a result of that. Jonathan, why, why is it important to you? I'm going to give you a chance to get past that prices, right? Uh, friends. <laughs> I thought that was so good though. I could have ended there. Um, yeah, <laughs> could have ended it there. <laughs> So I think variance is important uh, from my standpoint uh, for our budget. For obviously our ad spend budget is crucial. Our technology budget could get impacted if we're not forecasting correctly, and we're having to kind of lose our spend on some of our key technologies. So we want to make sure that we're forecasting appropriately, so we know how to spend our technology and our advertising. Totally. Yeah. And, and to sort of like walk through the thought process of, of the forecast variance, how that affects your, your ad budget. I mean, if you, if I'm, if I come to marketing and I say, Hey, like we're forecasted to beat our, you know, our, our quota by 20% this quarter, our, our ad spend is going to be different than if I come to marketing and say, Hey, we have a pipeline problem because we're forecasted to close 30% below our quota. Right. And that like you will fundamentally change the way we are marketing and advertising and what we're going after as a result of that. Like we will just have a, we'll have a smaller ad budget as a result. Right. We don't need the pipeline. We don't have capacity to work that pipeline because we have so many opportunities. So we might be advertising less, which then if I'm wrong, I've just made the problem worse for the next quarter and the next quarter after that. Right. True. Yeah. Uh, Totally. 
And the same thing goes for like hiring plans, all the above, right? Exactly, like you, it, yeah. you fail to identify problems when you have bad forecasting. And that's why forecasting variance is super, super important. Yeah, so bad forecast could easily get you into a hiring freeze and nobody wants that. Totally. Totally. I mean, good tip. Don't, don't over forecast. <laughs> <laughs> don't force a hiring freeze. Like, no, we're going to beat it by 60%. Like we don't need to hire any. Like, we're good. <laughs> bad, bad move. Uh, so what to do if your forecasting is broken, right? So I'm looking at my forecast variance and, and to, to Brandon's point, we'll go with this scenario. I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I was, I was short 15% this month. Last month I was 35% high. The month before I was 10% low. Like my forecasting variance is all over the place. I am a dumpster fire of a RevOps team right now. What, what do I do? To fix that, well, if if yeah, if your variance varies uh, a lot like that, like the first thing I want to do is look at look at the the process itself. Do I have a clearly defined process, and are people actually following the process, right? And and, and if the answer is yes, and you have a, a solid process in place, you feel you feel confident about your process. That yeah, maybe look at your data, or look at performance of certain reps that might that might affect that pretty heavily. Like if you have a small team, one rep underperforming is going to throw your entire forecast off, right? Totally, Jonathan. Yeah, I think I agree with what Brandon said. Uh, you just want to make sure you're consistent more than anything else. Uh, you don't want to have too much variance of your variance. And you also exactly. want to be, you want to say nimble, you want to adjust it. I so. want to get past this topic just because you guys keep saying that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got this on yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, wow. Um, but, but yeah, like Eddie, I, I keep going back to my fish tank, but this is another good one. The more oh <laughs> people love look the for, fish tank, people love the fish tank. I'm going to look for excuses anytime to use this. But if you have variance in your chemistry, Everything's going to be thrown off. Nothing's going to be stable. Nothing's going to be able to, you're not going to be able to protect the health of your aquarium or your reef tank because everything's varying all the time. And most of the time that's going to end up poorly. And same goes with your forecasting. If you're varying all the time, there's no stability. Your whole entire company suffers and you don't grow like a beautiful coral. So you, coral, <laughs> you want your coral to grow. And if you yes. can't have predictive chemistry in your reef tank, your coral won't grow. Exactly. Which is where you're going with this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's your best reef tank analogy. That, 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 that was a pretty good one. That was a good actually, one. I'll grant this one. There's more uh, where that came from. But <laughs> there's more where that came from. No. But, but, um, no. but, but to, to Brandon's point, right, like the first thing I would do is, of course, I'd revisit the whole forecast process. Like, are my buckets appropriate? Is my team trained on it? Do they understand how I want them to forecast? Do they understand what I want them to be looking at to f- help them forecast? And, and really reinforce expectations around that and hold people accountable on a weekly basis to, to making sure things are updated, right? Um, I would add additional data points. So go through and look, like what, what are we using for our forecast, right? And what can we add in? Like what, what can we find in our, in our opportunity life cycle that's predictive of whether or not this thing is going to close? And you can get creative with this. For example, RingDNA, we know that if a deal is on a text basis, like meaning we are sending text messages back and forth with the person on the other end of that opportunity, it has like a 75% chance of closing. Like it just absolutely does and closing by its date. Whereas if it's not, it's a much lower percentage. We're talking like 15 to 20%, right? And so like things like that, you might not think to layer in, but you can use that to check the forecast. So if you look at your forecast and it says, hey, $2 million is going to close, but of that 2 million, only like $200,000 is on a text basis, you probably have a problem you need to fix. And, and you could do that by incorporating that metric into 
your forecast process, right? It also would be a way to encourage reps to actually get on a text basis with people. Um, so it's, it's driving the right behavior by enforcing that. And then what I would do is I would break down. So I've got that. I would then, of course, data hygiene we touched on. Forecasting is purely dependent on hygienic database. And then the last thing I would do is I would go into my forecast and pop through like different segments, different verticals, different industries, different deal types, and see the accuracy of my forecast across each of those things. So if I'm if I'm accurately forecasting an SMB and commercial, but not enterprise, that's probably a problem I need to solve. And if I'm accurately forecasting to com- uh, commercial real estate, but not to technology, like I can I can have specific indicators in each of those buckets that can help me ultimately improve my forecast. So breaking down into different forecast buckets to identify where the problems really are. And the problem might be across the whole thing, which is typically means your, your training needs to be better. But if it's across just specific reps, specific segments, specific industries, that's a much easier thing to fix because you can then find ways to improve that specific forecast, right? It's also going to help your forecast just be more granular. Totally. It, yeah, it goes back to what we, I feel like we talk about it every time. It's like, okay, now now segment and then analyze everything by right. your segments, right? Like it's it's putting on that that detective hat and then really digging in. It's not just, oh, crap, our forecast is off, right? Right, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the point of diagnostic metrics, right? We're trying to find out where there's a problem, and then you have to actually drill in, because usually diagnostic metrics don't tell you, here's what the problem actually is. It's then, okay, here's the, here's the problem in this general vicinity. Now let's go figure out what the problem actually is and how we can solve it, right? Yep, exactly. By the way, what, what company do you work at? Revenue IO. You said ring DNA. Ah, I, I, I told you I was going to start saying it like this, revenue, I-O. Revenue, <laughs> but, I-O. <laughs> revenue. You don't have to say the dot. You don't have I, to say the dot. I, say I, got the, I like the dot. I got, I got clarity around this. We don't have to say the dot. Um, <laughs> got, okay, got it. Thanks. I, I, asked, I asked the question because I kept saying the dot and it felt weird. Um, so revenue, I-O sounds really sleek and fun and I like it. So revenue, I-O. Um, all right. So cool. Forecast variance. Are we, we sat there. We're moving on. Let's let's do it. All right. So another one that I, I love for revenue operations metrics, system disruptions time. And I feel like Jonathan Stevens is going to have some real passionate thoughts about mm-hmm. systems disruption time. Jonathan, do you want to define this for us? It's the amount of time your systems are disrupted. And to elaborate that. <laughs> and to elaborate on that. You knew that was coming, Jordan. You knew that was coming. I know, but I also knew this would be the one time he actually goes deeper. So <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I'm giving it to him. Give him your, a chance. Your expectations right. were too high. <laughs> Go deeper. Yes. Yeah, so it's the amount of time that your team is not able to use the systems that you have in place. So it's essentially the downtime that they're not able to use spending because they're locked out of the system. So like a key thing to look at is like when Salesforce has a big outage that puts your entire Salesforce out of out of commission. Yeah, totally. And and what I would look for is like where the revenue operations team is responsible is your RevOps team often includes Salesforce admin or people who own the tech stack, right? Like we, we own the tech stack at, at Revenue IO. Got the name right, deal with it. Um, <laughs> and uh, like Salesforce being down, kind of out of our control. No, I mean, not kind of, it's 100% out of our control. But if we go to implement another tool, we change a bunch of fields and we break the dialer for our sales reps. Like that's on us. That's totally on us, right? That's four hours of sales time across the entire organization that we are never getting back, and we've now we've now cost the business a lot of money. Problematic for a lot of reasons, um, and it's measuring that. Like, what are the ones you're actually responsible for? Which, 
you know, we do a pretty good job. Jonathan, you, you manage most of our tech stack. You do a pretty good job. We don't have a lot of downtime for system disruptions. There was one mild one recently, but it was totally my fault, um, which <laughs> which had to do with the rebrand. It was it was a good hour, but you know, is what it is. It happens. Um, Rebranding's hard. <laughs> really, really skewed our metric on this one in a bad way. So that's my bad. Um, Expensive hour there. I know it really was. It was an international hour, at least. It wasn't a domestic hour, okay, so it was, it, was, it was okay. Um, but I, I own it. You know, everybody's messed it up. We've all sat there. Everybody <laughs> listening, you know, you know, yeah. you've messed up. Don't judge yeah. me. Um, and so, um, but a very important metric for revenue operations, right? Because if this is really bad, your team is doing is doing poorly. So. What do you do if it's bad? What if I'm looking back at the end of a quarter and I'm like, man, we lost 14 hours of company time because of system disruptions that were within our control. How do I fix that? Yeah, I think it starts with, are you trying to do too much with your systems? Are you trying to make your systems do things they're not supposed to do? Are you, are you spread too thin? Are you putting integrations all over the place um, where you have conflict? A lot of times we see just people building process builder on top of process builder mm -hmm. and Salesforce. And all of a sudden you've got locked row issues and you got duplicates all over the place. And yeah, it's just, a, it can become a mess really quick. So I think it's really just making sure you know what you're doing first of all, but also understanding the impact of what you're doing and what impact they may, that may have on other systems. Yeah. For sure. Part of it, I think, comes from improving communication, right? So mm -hmm. before you change something in one system, communicate with the people that own the other systems mm -hmm. to make sure that you're not going to totally screw up what they're doing and mm -hmm. shut down everything, right? Um, and evaluating that you're using tools for the right reasons. And if you're not, then you should be looking at other additional tools that could potentially fill those gaps. Uh, Brandon, anything you want to add? It, like, I, I, I want to know, is it the same thing that's causing my system to go down every time right mm. and and if it's that same thing okay let do we got to get that tool out of here or is the integration breaking or whatever you know which is a a, a good argument for tool consolidation yeah or yep. get yeah get those tools that are natively built on salesforce or something like that just saying totally. mm -hmm. just saying like like revenue <laughs> totally like, like uh, i don't know what you got you're an example of one of those companies like native maybe, maybe. Built on, maybe? Maybe? maybe okay all right got it got it <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, consolidation of a tech stack is super helpful, right? You don't have to manage as many integrations, so you're, you're less likely to cause system disruptions by changing things because the system already speaks to itself. Um, evaluating resourcing, I think, also super important in this. If, if you're very spread thin, I know, Jonathan, you touched on it. If you're very spread thin, this is more likely to happen because you're not taking your time to evaluate things before you change them. Um, I'm going to blame my mistake on that. I have no resources. Jonathan never helped me with anything. Uh, then, then the last one, and I think this is something that as a head of RevOps at a company that's very keen to RevOps, maybe your RevOps team just needs some freaking training, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if we keep, to, to your point, Brandon, if I'm looking at it, we keep having system disruptions because of lean data. It might not be lean data's fault. It might be that we haven't had anybody on our team spend seven hours or eight hours going through all of lean data's information and figuring everything out and really mastering that tool. They, most products have certification processes. Make sure that your RevOps team is investing in learning those things. That way they truly understand how they work and they're not breaking them. A lot of times you don't want to blame the tool. You want to blame the user, right? <laughs> and then and that's, that's true of us as much as anybody else. We break things. We, we also... 
I would guess, tend to be the people that are like, I don't need to go through a training. I'll figure it out. And then we, <laughs> and we go in and try to figure it out, which is very common. And probably we do a good job at it. Also very dangerous, right? So mm-hmm. invest in RevOps training. Like have your people take the time to become Salesforce certified, Lean Data certified, all of the things, right? That, that's going to help you avoid these things super, super rapidly. On the converse of that, as a, as a product and as a software product, you need to make sure you're enabling those rev, RevOps or enablement users to be able to train up in your tool and maybe have touch base with them, make sure they know what they're doing and make sure they're right. aware of the impacts of certain things that might have consequences downstream. Yeah. If you keep having a tool that breaks and you think it's you not being able to use it, but nobody from there will help you figure it out and they have no training library for you to go figure it out on your own. It's probably time to start evaluating new tools. Right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> there you go. Right? like the no CSM is talking to you. Like, the, like it's, you know, that's a super important piece of buying software for sure. Brandon, you had something. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I'm actually reminded of a time when, uh, yeah, it, this is years ago, system goes down, we figure out that it was, the, the system was not locked down at all, so anyone could make any changes to the system, <laughs> right? And it was like, okay, we and that company did not have revenue operations and a very junior marketing operations team, right? So I think this is, this goes back to some of the things that we were talking about in in a few episodes ago with Rachel Nijan, right? About about the importance of um, you know the the systems admins and actually mm-hmm. owning the systems and training on the systems. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. Like it's resource allocation and specificity in your job function will certainly help you out here. Yeah. Don't let anyone mess with any fields that they want and integrate yeah, with right. any like, systems that they want. Limit, you know? limit who can go in and do things. Exactly. Very important. And marketing <laughs> automation platforms are almost the guiltiest party of that, where a lot of the smaller companies that don't have a marketing operations resource will typically, everybody will be in there doing everything and it is bound to break at that point. That is one of the most dangerous things ever. And automation, anything that says automation in it should be handled by an expert. That's just the reality. Like nobody, nobody that doesn't really understand or really have a deep knowledge of what they're working with should not be messing with automation ever. Mm-hmm. And right? data. Data is a big one. That, I, I know. Would add we, to that. we know. We know. We it know took, it, I'm actually surprised it took you like 27 minutes. Inside. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I had to get good. it in there somewhere. I know. <laughs> All right. So, so disruption time, system disruptions. Anything else you guys want to add to that before we move to the last one? Actually, I have two more, but we might only get to one. Might have to do another episode. Who knows? Mm, I think we covered it. Okay, cool. All right. So I think the next one actually be pretty short, but I also think it's very, very important because we've talked about, we talk about RevOps and there's sort of like going back to the Rachel Lejean episode, by the way, Brandon, kudos, getting her name right for the first time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, um, I know you practiced, didn't you? Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, we talk about it like managing, you know, like managing the tech stack and doing some of that stuff. That's very like, str- like very operational, right? But then we talk about RevOps as being a very strategic partner to the business, right? Which I think is in a lot of ways the more important version of, of RevOps. Obviously, the, the systems admin stuff sort of falls under the umbrella frequently, but strategic partnership equally important. And that's why I think it's very important that you measure your SLA on strategic projects. And what I mean by that is when I'm working with a C-suite or working with executives or working with a marketing team on like a specific project initiative that's going to require a lot of strategic lift across my revenue operation. From the day we decide to do that to the day we launch it, how long is it taking me to actually enable and operationalize that thing? Because a lot of times that, that sort of falls on your RevOps umbrella to take the lead on, here's the nine things that need to happen between A and B for us to do this. And I'm not holding up projects by not getting that done. Because if I am, that's hugely problematic for my business. It's also a pretty good indicator that I 
either am, am overwhelmed or, or have other problems that are preventing me from doing that level of strategic assistance and strategic guidance. Um, Maybe aren't. Yeah. I think prioritization is always a challenge at any company, especially in our world. And so that having a tool like Asana or something that can just help you prioritize your work is critical. It was my number one answer on how to fix this project management software. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's so important. It's, it's honestly, I mean, that's the reality, and, but also setting up like the project management approach, right? So mm-hmm. not just having the software, but no people know, Knowing how to receive requests, knowing how to prioritize things, very, very important. Um, what else? What else can I do to fix it? Well, w- w- one thing th- that, I mean, this is like with all metrics is just making sure everyone has access to your dashboard or to, to whatever that metric is. And then people are held accountable to it. Yeah. Right? Like, I, th- I think that's a big reason why a lot of metrics go like, you know, unregulated. Setting, setting is, an expectation and holding people accountable, right? Exactly. It's like make it available to everyone so that anyone across the business can actually look to see the progress of whatever whatever that metric is. Yeah. And oh, then, right. yeah, like me knowing that everyone's going to be looking at pipeline number, like everyone has access to pipeline number, can look at that at any single time that they want. Makes me go, yeah, I, I really want to make sure that my pipeline number is where it needs to be at. You know, it's just like the, the accountability. <laughs> right, like, yeah. Accountability. Like, you don't want anybody to look across the company to open up and be like, man, Brandon's bad at his job. Like, that's the, the reality, right? Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, like as soon as you don't hold people accountable to their metrics and to their reporting totally. and doing that regularly, then then it goes out the window. Totally. Yeah. And I, and I think for this one, like the other ways I would solve it, cause we're going to get to I'm, Brandon's sort of skipping ahead right now, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Like resourcing. <laughs> if, if I'm having a really mm. hard time, like getting strategic projects off the ground, check my resourcing. Am I spending 80% of my time? Is my RevOps team spending 80% of the time doing like Salesforce admin work? Cause if that's the case, you're not going to be able to fix this problem. You need to fix it with some resourcing, right? Super important. We've talked about that. And then autonomy. I think autonomy for this one is actually really, really important because I think a lot of people, in ops specifically don't feel like they have the autonomy to just run with something and do it right like mm-hmm. they we, we, they feel like they have to check in with three leaders constantly and like scheduling time throughout the whole process to get that done and that's just slow you need to give these people some autonomy to actually go and implement the things that you want them to implement and then revisit them as you go move fast right move fast is very very important and autonomy is key to that yeah and proper communication is also really important as you're going through the process, making sure people are up to date, but also that the stakeholders are giving you proper communication. A lot yeah. of times you'll see stakeholders just kind of like, hey, go go figure it out. But that, that's not the way you're going to get the project done. You got to all totally. be working together. Totally. By the way, I know I know you guys know this. And nobody, We've never said it on the show. I'm a huge fan of OKRs. Everybody will go look that up afterwards probably, I hope so. OKRs Same. are like the Big greatest OKR thing fan. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we have them here, and, and OKRs I think are actually super important for this too, because what falls under that umbrella of important strategic process or project has to be within an OKR. Or we wouldn't measure it. Like if if it's external to that, it's not a priority. OKRs help me prioritize what's actually very very important, and that that means I can say I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this instead, and that's because of my objective, which is this. We've agreed that that's the highest priority. It helps me with my prioritization, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's which a there's a great there's a great book out there on OKRs. Oh, imagine that! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> God, we are just broken record right now. Just brief take data. Exactly. I had to get the in book. there. Here's the book that Brandon read. Measure what matters by John Doerr. 
<laughs> go check it out it's a great book go, go check it out it is a good book i've read that one it's a good book uh, <laughs> okay continue but, but um but yes wow we need some yeah we're just beating the same drum this is just <laughs> i'm sorry everybody like somebody like i don't know do something crazy jonathan take your shirt off i'm just kidding didn't say that um, <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so moving on to the last one data availability um, and this one, I think, is also super, super important. So oftentimes, revenue operations is is responsible for data across the entire organization, right? And I'm very passionate about evaluating tech specifically as what does this help me put data in front of people when they're ready to make a decision? Like if, if somebody has to make a decision, I want them to have data right in front of them in that moment so that way they can make the best decision possible. And that's true of your revenue operations team too. Technology doesn't bridge the gap entirely. It does a really good job of it, but you need to power it with something. And, and as a RevOps profession, I hate, like I hate, I feel like we are absolutely failing when somebody pings me, I want to see these five data points and we don't have them. And they don't just have them in front of them, right? The worst feeling. And, Right. And so it's, it's, it's terrible because you're like, oh shit, like we should have that. Like I, I should have put that together. You're right. We should be tracking that, but you don't have it. And you've, that's, that's a bad feeling. And so the, this measurement is essentially like when you get asked that, when you get asked for that, when people make decisions, what, with what level of frequency do you already have that data ready for them? Or does that data already exist for them? And with what level of frequency do you have to say, great, I'm going to go put that together. I'll get it to you tomorrow, which is a pretty bad experience because they're ready to make a decision now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's you letting your company down, letting your teammate down, which is no fun for a RevOps person. I think every RevOps, every sales ops, every marketing ops person is like deeply feel this one because it's a really sad feeling in our mm-hmm. role. You're like, oh no, like you're right. I should have that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and so I think it's a very important thing for us to be held accountable to. Um, and so how do we fix it if it's bad? Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's a team effort because it's, it's not always up to RevOps to make sure your data is clean. There's a lot we can control, but there's also a lot that we need from other teams to be able to get the data in a place where we need it so that we can analyze it. So if, you know, one example is like, say your product data is living somewhere separately. If you're not bringing that into Mm -hmm. a data set that's combined with your sales data, then you're already going to have a uphill battle trying to get that figured out. So I think that piece is really important, but then foundationally, like you need to make sure you understand data you understand data relationships you under understand object relationships as it pertains to salesforce uh having the foundation and understand what data is important to each role that you're helping with yeah. right like yeah. that's and by the way purpose of the RevOps podcast just so everybody knows yeah. help people understand <laughs> what metrics would be important in specific roles because if you don't know what data is important to william tyree our cmo there's no way i'm ever going to have it ready for him it's just not going to happen, right? I need mm-hmm. to go. And if I don't know that, I need to go ask William, what are the data points that you might want to look at the next 90 days? Like, I want to mm-hmm. make sure we have those ready for you. Here's three dashboards. They all exist, right? Like, it's ready to go. It's rip-roaring. There it is. Yeah. You need to understand that for every role across your revenue operations, which is a very complex thing, but it's also very, very important. And one of the one of the bigger data gaps I'm sure every company falls into in one sense or another is getting social data together in so one pla- in one place. So hard to do. Oh my goodness. That so is a battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brandon keeps checking his watch. I want everybody to know that. He's just ready to ready to move on. <laughs> God damn it, guys. Come on. I'm, I'm done with this data subject. talk. You don't yeah. have anything important. You have nowhere important to be. We all know. 
Yeah, people like, keep slacking me, and I'm like, God damn it, I thought I turned my oh, notifications man, rookie, off. I'm, rookie I'm move. You got to turn Slack notifications <laughs> off during the RevOps podcast. Yeah, I know. Jeez. Priority, man. What are you doing? Yeah, you got to go, into, uh, go wow. into silent mode. It's, it's, it's only if William or Howard calls that you're allowed to step away. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah, it. if they call. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they exactly. call. If they ring, you're good to go. And then you could just get up in the middle and walk away and not even say anything. Right. <laughs> Any, anything you guys want to add to data availability? Mm, other than that, it's probably the most critical component of our jobs. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah no, it, it really, really is. Yeah, it's, it's, you're not wrong. It's, I saved it for last, but it's, it's, I think, the most important one in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like, are we, are we powering? In a lot of ways, that's how you power the revenue operation. It's data, right? It needs to be available. That's it. We've defined it. There you go. We can stop recording the episode forever. We're done with the podcast. podcast. <laughs> we, we've nailed it. Mic drop. Uh, available, but also available like in real time. Yeah, mm-hmm. in real time. In the moment Actionable. they want to make the decision. In the moment, exactly. In the moment where they're making a decision. That's what's important. Um, cool. All right. Well, then, with that in mind, we will move on to this week on LinkedIn. Jingle. Boop, 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 um, boop. <laughs> did you just make a touchdown sign with your yeah. arm? Like, like you scored a touchdown right there i felt cool. like i nailed that cool. <laughs> this is our usual work of high class weirdness this is <laughs> what happens on a friday afternoon every yeah, time a week. every yeah, time exactly. i got my name wrong at the start so we're, we started off strong <laughs> and we've continued in that same vein ever since i'm very proud of us um so this week on LinkedIn, I got a question from Hannah, which by the way, I get a lot of questions on LinkedIn and I love them. Everybody send me your questions. This was the first one. Usually they're like, hey, here's a question for you. Hey, here's a question for you. This was the first one. She's like, here's a question I want you to use on this week on LinkedIn. And I was Ooh, like, oh, nice. I was like, hell yeah, you're, you're getting, this is getting used. I don't care if it's to the top of the line. Too. Like, <laughs> this is the number one, like you listen to the podcast, you're into it. Like, yeah, oh, hell yeah. Like, all right. So Hannah. Well played, Hannah. I know. Hannah made the move. That's like just good prospecting work right there, right? Um, she, she knew how to stroke the ego. She was responsible for the dopamine hit, as we say. Um, the dopamine hit. So, so Hannah's question is, how do you work with finance? Okay, how does revenue operations work with finance? Or how important is the collaboration between the finance team and revenue operations? Oh, so oh my important. God. So, so important. Like, honestly, that is like the first, one of the first things, not even just revenue operations, like demand gen. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, one of the first things that I like to do when I go into a new company is uh, f- work, w- like become friends with the CFO. Yeah. Right. Like understand how he works, what he wants. Like I want him to know that I understand finance too and I understand the numbers. When him and I become best friends, it makes my life <laughs> as a demand gen marketer way easier. BFFs. Like it's, it's one of the first things I think you should do when you go into a new company. Totally. Yeah. They're also oftentimes just incredibly intelligent human beings who yeah, can teach yeah. you so much about a business. Like it's, yeah. And on the other side of that, I mean, we in RevOps will typically have the most insider knowledge as far as what fields do what and what they need to be looking at and how to compile. And, you know, if they need to build a calculation, we're usually the ones that can do that for them. So there's kind totally. of a, there's a two way relationship there. Yeah, totally. I think that's I think that's good to highlight to to actually get to answer the question. Like, first off, the importance through the roof. Like, ten exactly. out of ten, yeah. one of the most important relationships at at revenue operations and and finance, hugely important. Um, even for demand gen, like you said, or sales. Like, I would get close to finance. Absolutely. Um, 
And then to your point, Jonathan, yeah, like one of the ways you'd work with them is is helping them identify where to capture data and helping set things up so that they get the reporting that they want right out of the systems because that's super important for them. The other piece is reconciling all of it. It's so, so important that you sit down with finance. I meet with our finance team one to two times a week minimum and go through data and just reconcile financial numbers across opportunities and across their, their bookkeeping and all of the above. Because otherwise what happens is when we go to like present to a board or go to talk to investors or even just present numbers to our CEO, I roll up here is what, you know, we booked this quarter in, in revenue and finance rolls up a different number. And then we all look like idiots. Oh yeah. That's right? a bad like, one. And, and, and if we're not, if we're not lockstep every step of the way in this process, that's what happens. And then nobody knows what data to trust, which means exactly. we are, we're back to that data availability thing, which data availability is worse if the data is wrong. So yeah. like, even if I'm, if I'm writing it is wrong, that's worse than not providing it at all. And so if nobody knows what to trust, then nobody can make decisions. You, you're sort of failing in that regard. And so you need to be lockstep with them every step of the way, even yeah. for, even back to like forecasting. Like you need to work with finance on forecasting. You need to work with finance on reconciliation of all the revenue numbers. You need to work with finance on making sure that they get the reporting they want. Like there's so many things that you need to do back and forth with them. It's just fundamentally one of the most important relationships for revenue operations. Honestly, even even small things like I, I went on this trip and I'm waiting for my expenses. Like, yeah. if you have a relationship with your your finance team, your CFO, you'll get reimbursed quicker. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> like, there's no doubt about well, that. Well, depending on how big your company is. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, actually, not even, honestly. Company, the more likely you're going to get it back quicker, probably. I think Hannah is, is, is definitely onto something here. Trust your instincts here, Hannah. Um, and, and like, Okay, so so for example, if if you don't have good relationship with your CFO or your finance team right now, what should you do? Just set up meetings with them and get to know them. Exactly. Build the relationship. And by the way, in revenue operations, we are not typically finance majors, right? Like maybe Hannah is, and maybe somebody else. Maybe there are certainly RevOps people who come from a finance background, but most of us aren't. And and the best way, in my experience, the best way I learned about finance and have been able to build relationships with finance folks. Ask them to teach me it. Like, I can go to a CFO, and I had a CFO years ago named Gabi Loeb, one of the most impressively brilliant people I've ever known. And I still, I still talk to him. He's still just a wonderfully awesome dude. Um, I don't think he listens to the podcast. So he'll never hear this. But if he does, <laughs> Gabi, you're the man. I, I loved working with you. Um, he taught me more in like a year and a half of working together about reconciliation and managing finance and how we should be working with the sales team and how finance and sales and finance and marketing and all those things can work together. Than, than, I've, than I ever would have known had I not just knocked on his door and said, hey, like, I know I'm getting involved in this. I want you to teach me. Like, I don't know general, generally accepted accounting principles. I, I'm not an expert in that. I'm not an accountant. Teach me. Teach me everything I can do to be better at this so that you and I can work more closely together. And that's the best way to start that relationship. Yeah. Right. It's like, don't I want to be a good partner for you. What are you looking for? How can we work together? Yeah. yeah. Don't be afraid to knock on that door. And I, I don't want to label all finance people, but finance in general, will be a little more less outgoing than most. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm sorry if I anyone there, but, 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 no, it's but, the but here's, here's the reality, though. Like, if you go knock on that door and ask, say, "Hey, like, I want to learn how I can be the best partner in you. I need to learn about your job." They also don't get that that knock very often. Mm, no, people no, aren't never. knocking on finance's yeah. door saying, "Teach me generally accepted accounting principles every day." Right? Yeah. Most and, people and are scared. I've of that. never had a financial <laughs> professional be like, "I don't have time for that." I've actually every time I've done it, which has been multiple times. I've had the response of like, oh, really? Like, you want to learn that? Like, okay, like, yeah, let's do that. And then just immediately 
weekly syncs, bi-week, like it just consistent, right? It's, it's makes their lives easier too. Like, yeah, right. of course they want to teach right. you that. And they have an extra resource and a colleague at the business who's invested in their success. Exactly. And you are, right? And you're aligned with them. It's super, super important. So Hannah, go build that relationship. That's super, super important. Learn the things, work very closely with finance. It's going to make your entire life much, much easier. Um, and then continue to do it forever. Don't let it die. Like I still meet with our finance team once a week and I've been doing it for years and then I'm never going to let that go because it's so important. I'm Jack on the log in Titanic, never letting go. Um, uh, <laughs> the door? Was it a door? I don't know what it was. I think it was like a... No, it's it's a door. Door. it was a door. It was like a cabinet door or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe. All right. Anyways, <laughs> I feel like I did not nail that reference, but it's all right. Um, anyways, everybody else, send me your questions for this week on LinkedIn. Um, please, of course, go give us five-star reviews on Apple. Give us a listen. Send us to your colleagues and friends. If you have guests that you think would be wonderful, submit them to us. And otherwise, we will see you all next week. By the way, follow me on LinkedIn, not Jonathan or Brandon. They're, they're mm. not great. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Follow Brandon. Jonathan needs to post like once a month. That's the honest answer. Follow, follow, follow me, follow the podcast. Jonathan, don't worry about it yet. He doesn't post anyways. Uh, <laughs> You're not missing anything. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, guys, and we will see everybody next week. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>